Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. As always, I'm joined by Jack Allison. Jack, how's it going? I'm doing just fine, Leslie. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good, folks. Sorry for the hiatus. We did have a brief hiatus there due to some logistical uh, issues, as well as a few illnesses, family tragedies, all that good stuff. But we're so happy to be back with you on Struggle Session. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you so much for listening to us on the blue wire network or via sesh.plus patreon.com slash struggle session or struggle session.substack.com and hey thanks to our new subscribers james o kevin d dave c joe doc based sushi and holly b thank you so there much uh for subscribing to us hell yeah welcome aboard everybody We've been away from the show for a while, but I was the second ever guest on our good friend Brett Payne's new podcast, Relatively Unknown. Brett, of course, from Street Fight Radio, on his new shit, Relatively Unknown. We dived into all sorts of obscure cultural artifacts and had a great uh, conversation. And Jack, I know you've been out there. Yeah, I was just on the uh, Chapter Surfing uh, podcast with uh, Lenny Burnham. Uh, where we talked about the first season of House of the Dragon compared to the book uh, Fire and Blood, uh, had a, and I had a blast over there. Oh, so had you uh, had read that book before already? I had not read the book before. Um, somehow it just it just escaped me. Maybe I thought it was too dry or something uh, when it came out. I was like just not in the mood to read a Silmarillion. I'm really glad I read it. I really enjoyed it a lot, actually. Um, and I enjoyed the show too, but fire and blood does have some really cool, st- like George R. R. Martin is a really good writer and he does some really interesting stuff, uh, with a sort of fake popular history, you know? Um, and yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of fun in that book and it's worth listening to the episode, uh, recorded with Lenny and it's also worth reading the book. All right. And we will get into our main event of the evening. Jack, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. This is huge. Side and Sound Top 100 Films yeah. Poll is finally out. The upstarts. Uh, everyone, the, the, the new AFI, some are saying? <laughs> it's the BFI. It's like, a, it's like one more. Oh, wow. Like you got the AFI. <laughs> one better, one better. You got the BFI. Typically, A is better than B. Typically, A is better than yes. B in, in, you know, uh, in school and stuff, but not, not so with films. I guess not, because people were super stoked about this. They were talking about this release... Like it was a new, like, sh- like some new Jordans droppings. Yeah, like it was Avatar The Way of Water or something. Yeah, people were so into it. Uh, and I realized it's because they had opened it up enough to where there were just people on Twitter who had gotten ballots and they were excited for everybody to see uh, what the results were. 
I'm not honestly quite sure why, because when you look at this list, it's not like you're going to see anything that's going to knock your socks off. It's not like you're going to see anything unexpected if you're even a little bit of a filmer, uh, I would I would say, Jack. You maybe you disagree. Maybe you have a different. Not the most exciting list. It's not a huge. It's not that different from the AFI list, honestly. Uh, we'll, we won't go through every film on here. Just the ones that jump out at us, and one that immediately jumps out at me. Tied for ninety fifth, mm. uh, greatest film of all time. Jordan Pills Get Out from two thousand seven. You know they say this is a hundred, but there's a lot of ties in there. So it really is the ninety five <laughs> best movies, you know. But there are there are six ninety fifth, six number ninety five. Yes, it, it's, it's the repetition. There's a lots of ties in here, but really the thing that sticks out to me is like Get Out came out two thousand seventeen, uh, about five years ago, and when even things like say the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame Awards. There is some, you have to give some sort of cultural distance to anything you submit to make sure that it actually belongs on the list. I don't mm -hmm. think five years is enough for a movie. I think 10 years is enough for a movie, is something, something closer to it. It should be like a 10-year, you know, you have to be out for 10 years before you're eligible for this list. Make sure people actually still think the movie is good in 10, in ten years. years, not just five. Five is kind of pre, and they actually have some that are a lot closer than that. Actually, it's like way too soon. Parasite, Parasite got on there, and you know, I love Parasite, so you know, it's kind of tough for me to say, but just it, I kind of agree with you that just even seeing the number twenty nineteen, I'm like, we just can't even say whether it's an all timer. Yeah, uh, if it came out in twenty nineteen, Portrait of a Woman on Fire, I think it's on here. That's a yeah. uh, twenty. 20 or something like that and yeah i i and just that don't know that i i mentioned that that one got like a criterion release for its first dvd release i'm like come on you're you pushing <laughs> you push it now. give it some time yeah yeah you have to you have to make your way into the canon you know you can't just be born into the canon tied for a the eighth the shining 1980 stanley kubrick's classic but i said on our episode uh back in the day with shannon Every time I watch this movie, I like it a little bit less. And I'm not sure that if I actually, if I were gathering all the greatest minds of film, I'm not sure if I would want to see The Shining on there, even at 88. It's a good movie. Great movie. Amazing movie. But I don't know if it's in the top 100 of all. I mean, I like The Shining a lot, but there are obviously better Kubricks, and some of them are on this list, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> there are better Kubricks on this very list. Um, so if you were, I don't know, if you were cherry-picking, if you were pulling people off the list just to, you know, make a little more room, um, Shining could possibly go, even though I do truly love the movie. I, I don't know if it belongs on the list or not, but I wanted to talk about Blue Velvet, 1986 by David Lynch. Um, this movie I, I, has always fascinated me because it gave me a, almost a lifelong um, aversion to both Dennis Hopper and David Lynch because I saw <laughs> this movie way, way too young. Like as soon as it hit cable, like I watched this movie a bunch. And I'm like, what, five or six at the time. And this movie just obviously would freak anybody out but freaked me out as a young child and I always hated Dennis Hopper and I was always you know a, had an aversion to watching David Lynch movies until later in life and it didn't, it didn't dawn on me 
till much, much, much later. I'm talking about maybe even like just 10 years ago. That the reason why is because I kept seeing Blue Velvet as a kid and I would have nightmares <laughs> about Dennis Hopper with that gas. I thought he was a dentist too. Like I mixed it up with a uh, little, yeah, little shop of horror. Yeah. Well, horrors, yeah. Like I mixed them up in my mind as like one thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to see Blue Velvet on this. Uh, I guess the other David Lynch movie on here, way up toward the top, and I'm kind of shocked oh, to yes. see it there, though I do love the movie, way up at number eight, like, you know, a factor of ten better, I guess, than Blue Velvet is Mulholland Drive. Um, I, and yeah. I say this is perfect positioning. I'm not surprised to see it up there, and I think it might. It could even go higher, wow. uh, Jack. I think Mulholland Drive is just one of those – perfect amazing uh movies and i think i talked about it with you on um jesse's uh podcast you think um, that you think that it could go higher than Bo travail if i were investing in this all right and i'm sure at some point you could someone will sell nfts of spots on this list and i'm saying Mulholland drive next time they do this list it's up at number four Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love Mulholland Drive. I, I kind of like seeing some David Lynch, Lynch is probably going to be dead by then. If you're being honest with it about, about it, you know, they're going to, they're going to give him a little bit of a boost. And I will Certainly say honestly, with all his like cult members voting in it too. Right. We don't know how many of the uh, David Lynch foundation members are in this will will be voting on this but i'm sure they will only grow in power over time like scientology things maybe i like about this list is you know there's i don't think there's any david lynch on the afi list but you get down to the bfi uh and you and you got double lynch on there you got you got a an, a lynch in the 80s and a lynch in the 10s not bad i was happy to see sunset boulevard on this list i think it's a a, a beautiful movie it's got a great you know, sort of final performance from Buster Keaton. Uh, and yeah, it's nice to see some Billy Wilder on this list. Um, you know, uh, just a great movie that I was uh, just happy to see on here. There's a lot of Ghibli on this list. And there's like an almost over-representation of, of anime because of the because of all the Ghibli on this list. And I see an under-representation of American animation. All that said, I do love My Neighbor Totoro. I think it's a beautiful movie, and I think Totoro is, like, well-deservedly deser one of the best iconic characters. But I don't know how you put this much Ghibli on there um, if you are not putting on, like, early Disney. All right, at 63. Good fellas mm -hmm. on the list. R.I.P. Mr. Ray Liotta. Mm. Jack, is this one of the 100 best movies of all time? According to both the A and BFI, this is one of the top 100 movies of all time. Um, and I think I agree, actually. I think I do. You know, I think uh, uh, Goodfellas is a crowd pleaser. Um, it's... But I think, I think it is one of the best movies, one of the 100 best movies of all time. There's there's one thing that holds me back, mm -hmm. and it's having to believe the ages of like Joe Pesci um, <laughs> in the early parts of the movie. It's just, it just it just doesn't quite you know pass the laugh test. And I think perhaps there are other Martin Scorsese's that you can put on this list besides Goodfellas to give him a nice bit of representation. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think Goodfellas might be. Like the could be the quintessential Scorsese. Well, you oh yeah, well you do have Taxi Driver on there, but I 
I don't know. I like Casino. I think I bet better than uh, Goodfellas. Wow. See, that and is just, have, that is know, a little hot. That's kind of a hot take there. I do not think it's that hot of a take. It's not that hot of a take. I mean, like, you know, it's Scorsese. He's great. He's great. He's got tons of great stuff. I like Casino a little bit better. I, I'm not sure why Goodfellas became the Scorsese because I think he, first of all, he's such a diverse director. I mean, think about a film like Silence. You know, this could that could be on this list as well as coming from Scorsese. I might put that in over a Goodfellas. Here's another one with some recency bias, which I think will like this film. I think there's no chance is on the next one. Uh, Moonlight from 2006. I think people are going to be a little bit embarrassed about celebrating <laughs> a movie like this, even though it's incredibly beautiful. But Barry, G- Barry Jenkins is going to do better things. And just there's a certain level of false of, you know, Obama era half assery about this. You know, it's a movie of exploring uh, the life of this gay man who does not fuck because we weren't quite ready for that in 2016. And so it's not in the film. And that just seems really phony uh, when you watch it right now. I would even maybe argue for Get Out to be on this list more than I would uh, uh, Moonlight if we're talking about recency bias movies. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I think Moonlight almost like strikes as like a college film or something like that when you watch it. Um, I don't know. Uh, Moonlight didn't really do it for me in 2016. And I think we'll have other stuff to fill that slot, you know, when they when they get the vote uh, votes of Twitter users uh, in the next 10 years. Next on the list for me is uh, Sherlock Jr., which I was excited to see on this. This is a great uh, silent film from Buster Keaton that is is um, and we see I think Keaton is later represented on the list with the more traditional uh, pick, the general, which is great, too. Um, but. Uh, but Sherlock Jr. has a really great sequence, has some actually like really great early special effects in it that I think are, you know, pretty astonishing for the time. There's a whole sequence uh, where he basically goes into the movie to meet the girl and they kind of cut between different genres and it's this slapstick thing where they're at where this movie cutting um is creating slapstick moments for buster keaton that is so far ahead of its time and reminds of like kind of how they used to do those you know um those montages at the opening of the academy awards ceremony um but yeah if you haven't seen sherlock jr it is worth a watch. Uh, the Apartment is a great, uh, another great Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder seen uh, uh, kind of represented on this list a lot. Um, what I think is interesting about this, um, The Apartment is a really great film. Uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit um, when we go through what we should have been on the list. But there's no David Lean on this list. Uh, and The Apartment, while a really great movie, um, is based on one scene in David Lean's brief encounter um, where one of the characters is having an affair and they go to the, he goes to the apartment of his friend and he's having his his possible affair there. I don't want to get into too much of what goes on in brief encounter. Um, But you know, the fact that, that Billy Wilder has now leapfrogged uh, David Lean, you know, who inspired so inspired the apartment inspired basically all of the directors that we love today uh i thought was a little bit 
indicative of of the times i guess that we're in but i still love the apartment i think it deserves to be on this list uh i just think it's interesting that there's that there's no david lean on here and coming in tied for 54th with the apartment and sherlock jr see these these are like wide berths too like all of these are like tied like how many people voted on this the prestigious once a decade poll is Sidon Sounds eighth and the most ambitious to date, with more than sixteen hundred of the most influential international film critics, academics, distributors, writers, curators, wow. archivists, and programmers voting almost double the number of participants in two thousand and twelve. Too many. And tied and we weren't invited, to be honest. But that's why we'll be adding ours to the list, which and you'll see, uh, dear listeners, that I think we should have clearly been invited from the start. Tied at fifty fourth on the list, Blade Runner, really Scott's neo noir sci fi epic, legendary. But Jack, this is like this is like my favorite movie, but seeing it on the list felt wrong. I'm like, isn't this supposed to be like for like snobby art films, you know, what are you putting Blade Runner on there for? Are you going to put the thing on there as well? I mean, I why not? Like, I mean, that's the thing is like, why, you know, what is this list? You know, uh, uh, why should the thing not be on here? In fact, I'm going to add the thing to the movies that I think should be added to this list. There's, there's no John Carpenter on this list. That's messed up. Yeah, but the thing is, like, that's the one, like, Blade Runner, they kind of pulled that one out of there from that miasma of the genre film, but then certain things are, like, missing that you would think would have to be on there if you're going to put Blade Runner on there. We, there's a big one I see that you have on your list that we'll talk about in a bit, but I don't know. I don't know. I love Blade Runner. Obviously, I think it's great. I don't know what's special about Blade Runner that would get it on the list where a lot of other genre films like aren't considered obviously. I love Blade Runner, but yeah, when once we start to get in, I mean, I guess this is the fun of lists, you know, it's just the that you can endlessly debate why and whether things should be on the list or not, but uh yeah, why a Blade Runner would be on instead of some other Ridley Scotts or other genre escapes yeah, me. Like I would even put Alien I would think Alien would fit a little bit more with the sensibilities of the list. Uh, the Battle of Algiers uh, is a great um, domestic terrorism movie that I was glad to see on the list. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, film uh, that takes place during the you know Algerian War. It's an Italian Algerian. War. It's an Italian film, um, but yeah, like it it really is like avatar in a lot of ways you know a a domestic terrorism you know the little guys defeat the big army kind of movie that just has a lot of like really real feeling you know city based uh battles and stuff like that that are that are really pretty uh, uh stunning in the movie and of course i was also very excited to see on this list Barry Lyndon and this is i think a less appreciated um, Kubrick that I think is such a good movie. Not only is it beautiful, he did this thing with lighting where he used all natural lighting and it just gives the movie like it kind of looks like an oil painting. But also Barry Lyndon is really underappreciated for how funny it is. Um, it reminds me a lot of like like a Danny McBride comedy or something like that because it is kind of just this story – of like a dumb 
uh, con man who like cons his way into polite society um, and around rich people just by like acting, you know, acting like them. Uh, it's a very funny, really pretty movie uh, that if you've skipped in the uh, Kubrick filmography, you must go check out. Yeah, there's a going around on Twitter. There's a mashup of Barry Lyndon scenes with uh, lines from 21 Savages a lot. Uh, that is perfect. It's one of the most <laughs> beautiful things I've ever seen. Funny, yeah. No, I I love Barry Lyndon. It's one I I caught it late. I think I don't know. Maybe it's just because like my dad said he didn't like it or something like that. Um, but yeah, I caught it late and I was surprised to find that. Oh, this is not only one of the great one of the great Kubricks, but a really actually very funny movie. Now around this point in the list, around t the tide for forty three point, then it gets really like you. You've seen all these before. You get your Stalker. You get your Rashomon. You get your Rear Windows. You get your Breathless. Your Some Like It Heights. You get your Cycles and your Eight and a Halves. All like the greats uh, sure. are kind of there. The AFI of stuff. There. The AFI is popping its head up. You know, I mean, Taxi Driver is a good movie. Yeah, then you, you got Taxi Driver at 29. Obviously, you know, that's I think that's Scorsese's highest pick today. I think probably the next time this list comes around. There's more Scorsese. Maybe it's a little bit higher, but uh, you ha have your portrait of a lady on fire at number 30, which ask me in 2029, ask me in 2029 and we'll see. And number 24. And this is a, a newer entry and one that was controversial for uh, some reason. Yeah. Uh, this is one people were going to complain for some reason. Uh, Spike Lee's do the right thing. I think this spot is well-deserved on the list. Honestly, I think, do the right thing has like really earned its place in the canon at this point. I think it is a very solid movie. It's got great characters. It's kind of iconic for a certain era um, and time um, and place. And, and yeah, I think, I think it's well-deserved to be on, to be here on the list. There's other shit that I think is much whacker that's on this list than do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, is what you want from a movie, a peek into a specific time, place, life that you might not know about. I think do the right thing certainly uh, deserves to be on this list. And a lot of smart people have said so. So I don't know why uh, certain people uh, when this list dropped were uh, very uh, questioning this because I thought this was like a given. Uh, at this point, that this was one of the greatest films of all. Time. Yeah, it is almost like it's it's almost like one of the ones like that are that you're like, okay, this is in AFI territory where it's like so yes. so so solidly part of the canon that you're almost like, yes, well, of course, do the right thing is in the is in the top thirty. All right, and another one that's of course, but actually, I'm a little bit mad about this one, Jack, because I was I, if I if I if I cared about if I were if I cared about this, I would be mad. Apocalypse Now only at nineteen. We can do better. Yeah. We can do better. I think yeah. Fox Now, that might be my number one. Some days that's my number one bar well, none. Which one, Leslie? Are, are we talking Redux? Are you talking theatrical? Which one Which one are you talking? Uh, the, whichever the last one was. The the one with the most stuff in it. The one with the most <laughs> the longest stuff edition? that looks like an actual war that makes me wonder, like, how did they film this shit? That's the one. Yeah, I think the how they filmed it was Coppola was Kurtz, and he was just insane, you know, uh, uh, on uh, you know on some river somewhere making them blow stuff up. Uh, close up, I was happy to see this high up on the list. You know, I think that there's maybe other seventeen. 
17, number 17, close up, uh, a great, really weird Abbas Kiristami movie. Um, he's a great Iranian filmmaker um, who's extremely prolific. He's done a ton of films. Uh, the Coker trilogy is a great trilogy of movies to watch. Um, but close up, it's about this story in Iran where there was a director who where there was a guy who was impersonating a director and he cons a family into like giving him free stuff and letting him live with them and everything like that uh, because they think he's this famous director. Uh, and Abbas Kiristami retells the story, but he gets all the real people to play themselves in the reenactment of the story. So all of the real family members and the con man who was playing the director and the real director all act in acted out scenes of the true story that happened with them. It's a really great, fascinating movie. And this is all intercut with actual courtroom footage of the trial of this case. And it's especially effective because it's all the same people that are in the recreations. All right. Coming in at number 15. 1956's The Searchers, probably the highest placement for a racist movie on the list from what I can see. It is a very good movie and a very influential movie, but is a racist movie, and it, it, it does feel out of place on this list. You know what I mean? Like, this list is kind of not doing a lot of the old standards that have now been canceled and stuff like that. So I found, it, it, in some ways, I was like, well... At least they're being honest because The Searchers is a great and influential movie. Uh, but I was surprised to see it this high on this list. Number 12, of course. A Godfather, 1972. But no Godfather Part 2, strangely enough. I, 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 was, I was a little bit, uh, I found that very, very strange. How can you put Part 1 on and not Part 2? I found it, I found it strange too. I mean, I, I don't know. I, that is a tough one because if you're going to do anything... Just go with the TV edit called The Godfather Trilogy 1901 to 1980, uh, which is all three Godfathers cut together in chronological <laughs> order. And it's made by Coppola. Coppola is the one who cut it together. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously The Godfather is a great movie. It is strange to see it there without two because uh, they do feel like such a – it almost feels like they should just be one movie, which is why I advocate for the one where they're all cut together, including three, which is better – then a lot of people give it credit for it and has a fun 90s vibe to it. But, of course, isn't as good as the other ones. And Sofia Coppola's bad in it. Yes, I'm so glad, so glad that Lost in Translation was not yeah. on the list. I think there's, <laughs> there's, one, there's one unmistakable dub uh, for us. If you're talking about recency bias, that is a movie that would have been on this list if it came out in 2005. If this came out like two years after Lost in Translation, it might have been number yes. one. It might have been number one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And at number uh, six, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I think maybe because there was just an annoying Atlantic article by someone who was like, I just watched Space Odyssey and wow, what a stinker. I'm like more defensive of 2001 A Space Odyssey than I've been in quite a long time. But one of the great fucking movies ever made. You know what I mean? If anything, I would say maybe there should be more Kubrick on this list. Um, that there are maybe a couple of missing Kubricks on here. I think it's strange that Citizen Kane is at number three. <laughs> I think Citizen Kane, we should just all agree, 
that Citizen Kane should be on all the fancy lists of best movies and should always be the number one movie. It should have like an honorary spot at this point uh, because of how often and how long it's always been the number one movie on these types of lists. Um, That's what I found. The strangest thing was just seeing a a three in front of Citizen Kane. Let's get it up to number one where it deserves. This is why the AFI list is better when it comes down to it. Here's the thing, Jack. It already lost that designation, really, to number two on this list, Vertigo, 1958. That was the critics' consist, uh, critic consensus as the replacement for Citizen Kane as the be- as the official number one movie of all time. You know, the first time I watched it, I didn't see it at all. The second time I watched it, I saw it immediately. I, I don't know. I just had to watch it twice. I wasn't even in a different place particularly in my life or my journey as a viewer and a critic i just need to i just think you need to watch even one extra minute of it to see how special uh that film is and and hitchcock of course he deserves spots all over For sure this list but him. i think vertigo and yeah and i think vertigo might be his best one out i like seeing it up so high um and it isn't it was the number one i wish it had a little bit more time in the sun no it only got the since it came got to be number one for like what 30 40 50 years i mean vertigo gets like half a decade at the best and then gets replaced by i gotta be honest leslie i don't know this movie what is 23 quad to commerce i guess i gotta watch it this is supposed to be kind of an art film arty film list and that one is definitely an art film it is the art film it's this slow meditation on um you know the expectations placed on women uh you know and you know the violence violence inherent within the the value uh the lack of value placed on the work that women do and it takes it really takes its time with that stuff you're really going to get it by the end because it, <laughs> it takes its time and really kind of hammers you over the head uh with it by the end about with its point but it's a very it's a good movie it's effective movie it's an effective movie but it's not gonna be for everyone and you know and and people were saying like uh complaining about this pick because it was such an arty pick and i think just with this this list it it tries to be extremely popular and then has a little bit of art thrown in there. And so putting that film at number one, instead of a film that, you know, everyone's heard of and everyone likes, like a Citizen Kane or a Vertigo, or even, I don't know, even something like a Mulholland Drive, I feel, sure. just because it's American, you know. Uh, Not to be an election denier, but Gene Dealman got the most votes out of over 1,600 critics film buffs have been you know hyping this one up for the past couple of years it seems like a fast move though i mean there might have been some coordination there yet that that does raise a few questions but yeah it is a popular movie amongst certain circles and you know i don't i don't know if it's quite if if this will be number one next year next uh next time they do this this list i think i don't know it just it seems like a very of the moment it feels like it will as of the moment as a list like this can be picking a mm-hmm. film that's uh, you know from four, 40 years ago um but yeah uh 40 actually almost 50 years now almost yeah almost 50 years almost a 50 year old uh movie is kind of them 
keeping up with the times. A big part <laughs> of um, this, uh, uh, yeah, Gene Dillman is directed by Chantel Ackerman, and this is the big, you know, talking point as soon as the list came out. This one features a lot more films by female directors. Mm. Still, like, a few, still only a few, but a lot more than previous years. All right, so let's get into some of our picks, some of the missing spots on this list. Folks, if you're listening to us on Blue Wire, please check us out on patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus for all of our picks. Otherwise, our subscribers, let's keep going. Let's keep rolling. All right. Yeah, I thought there were some oversights on this list. You know, I love Studio Ghibli, um, but I thought it was kind of Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.